Market. The S&P, the ISX stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that never borrows more than six times its income. I'm Scott Phillips, the Motley Fool's Chief Investment Officer, and with me is the founder and managing director of strawman.com, Andrew Page. How are you, Ram? G'day, mate. Yeah, six times income. I could probably go all the way to 10. Why not? <laughs> I thought you might have a view on that. We may talk about that later. We may not. Depends whether we want to go to a second hour for the podcast. We'll, uh, we'll see. Funny enough, our listeners aren't saying, "Hey, guys, you should talk longer." But we'll um, we'll, we'll take that. We'll take that as under advisement, as as they say, mate. Um, how are you this morning? You doing well? Doing very well. It's starting to get nice. pretty chilly here in Sydney, so I've I've definitely I'm definitely rugged up. But uh, yeah, other than that, no complaints. How about yourself? Mate, you have you have Pro- zero of my sympathies. It is exactly. I'm looking at my phone as we record this on Thursday morning. Zero degrees. It was minus three this morning. I had to take the dog outside. It was uh, it was very chilly. A very heavy <laughs> frost. Uh, it, it, I, I should know better than to walk out in bare feet. By the way, but you know, I did what I did and. Um, the feet were cool. It was. Uh, it's a chilly old morning, mate. But that's that's all right. Um, I, I still don't. I st- Go on. I still don't that you're t- you're uh, you're in a t-shirt though. No, like, you know. not, not cold enough for you. <laughs> I did pick up the young boy from school yesterday in a t-shirt, and I had about four people walk past and go. Really? You know it's cold, dude. Yeah, it's fine. I'm just you know, one of those things. Anyway, you anyway, don't feel it. <laughs> exactly. One of us, one of our Queensland colleagues, did complain it was 12 degrees out there this morning. They have less of, less of my sympathy than you do. Was it one of those kind of you know? Oh, it's 12 degrees. Like right, guys, you know the maximum is going to be four degrees today here. It's going to go from minus Oof. three to four. That's my day. How good is my life? Oh, anyway, man. anyway, it's not about me. Yeah, it's not about the weather. No one, no one else cares except me. That's all right. I love them. That's the beauty of being the podcast host. I can talk about it as long as I want. Mate, um, speaking of talking about things as long as I want. I want to talk about straw man. I want to know what exactly straw man is for the benefit of our listeners. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you didn't think you were going to get away with you it, did what? you? I, I, I was kind of hoping you might forget. Um, <laughs> what can we say? Straw man is a place where you can test your ideas and, uh, and challenge them, get a bit of a play money portfolio, buy a few things, see how you go, and hopefully have other members of our very smart investor community shoot you down in flames. <laughs> and I, I say that in the best possible way because it's all about improving your investment ideas and avoiding some potentially dangerous mistakes and hence why it's called straw man. We want those ideas to be challenged. So, yeah, <laughs> how, how about that? Um, that'll do. That'll do. We said it's <laughs> straw man is a place. I, I had visions of the Cheers theme going through my head, you know. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. It was kind of one of those those vibes. But you you dressed it beautifully. Um, I do, you, you're a brave man, mate. When you start a website, we're asking to be criticised by other people. That that is that is the definition of bravery. We do, by the way, have yeah. a couple of straw man mailbag questions. You'll be happy to know. So not today. Oh, cool. But over the next few weeks, we have we have a couple of straw man mailbag questions. So we will get to those. Uh, keep I'm keep ready. an iron ear out, uh, dear listener. Um, all right, let's uh, <laughs> let's let's uh, see where we can go, mate. I'm going to go through, we're going to do things a little bit differently than normal, not, not too differently, don't, don't freak out listeners, or, or maybe don't get too excited if you do want us to do things differently. Um, <laughs> you've made, made the point before, and it's a very valid one, that sometimes we go through the macro and say, so interest rates, and we're going to go, yeah, yeah, we've done that before. So what we're going to do is go through the macro stuff, because it's important, it's worth doing, and it does set the scene. But as you've rightly pointed out, and we've certainly said before, um, it, it, that, what do you do differently? Probably nothing. So it's, it's, it's of interest, it does fill in some gaps, it does point generically into some sort of direction. So we will talk about them, but I want to ask you to opine on every single one of them. And that also gives us a bit more time, hopefully, to uh, to go through some of the some of the actual news stories of the week. So a couple of couple of things I, I want to call out. There's one bit one bit of good, one bit of bad. Actually there's two bits of bad. So they're broken since you and I mm. talked about the agenda. So let's go through that. The first thing was the NAB business survey was out this week, out on Tuesday. 
The numbers were phenomenally good. Business investment was good. CapEx was up. Business confidence was up. Business conditions were good. Um, some of those numbers were record numbers in the history yeah. of the survey. Um, and yeah. I, you know, I guess uh, I've said before, I think I stole this one from Greg McKenna, by the way, former trader and now CEO of Police Bank and a lovely bloke. Um, I don't know if I'm quoting him directly. So if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm not getting it right, sorry, Greg. And if I am, I should give him credit. Uh, but for me, the confidence figures are the most important numbers in in economic outlooks from from a from a consumer perspective and a business perspective because it doesn't really matter what's going on now at all whether it's great whether it's terrible the change in economic activity is what contributes to growth or decline and if i feel mm. good i'm going to go and spend if i feel bad yeah. I'm probably going to keep the wallet closed. And so while they're not real numbers yet, you can have good economic growth and terrible confidence or terrible economic growth and good confidence. They, it, it's a leading indicator, right? There's leading indicators tell us where we're going. You know, you'd rather look through the windscreen than through the rear vision mirror. That one for me is an important one. The flip side of that, mate, the bit of news that came out only this morning was that consumer sentiment is actually down. Mm. And so it's kind of one of those interesting kind of questions about where to next um, creditor Watch, the, the, the obviously credit business, uh, or at least the credit analysis business, has flagged some increasing business uh, insolvencies and, and liquidations, unsurprisingly, because JobKeeper and JobSeeker have gone away. So those businesses that were just keeping afloat have kind of tipped over the edge, like pulled at the white flag, go, right, we're, we're done. We, we thought we'd we'd see what happened. We thought we might get through JobKeeper and JobSeeker, see if maybe there was enough business left. There's just not. We're going to have to close the doors. So I'm kind of mm. left in a bit of a bit of two minds, man. I don't, again, I don't know if you have any any thoughts on where we are economically or where what the outlook's looking like. Um, I, I said I'm, I'm a, I like to be confident. I'm an optimist by nature. The business confidence numbers are good because they're the ones doing the hiring. But consumer sentiment may well tell us what's going to go into those businesses in the coming months, which may actually change that business sentiment. And it's a bit of a cart and a horse problem. You know, it's a bit of a, a circular conversation. If, if businesses don't hire, the people don't spend. If people don't spend, businesses don't hire. Where does it leave us? Are we in a good place? Are we coming down off a high? Are we, you know, kind of trying to make back from a low? Where do you feel like the economy is traveling? I think, I think all things considered, we're doing you know, amazingly well. I, I think if, mm. if I travel back in time, back to, you know, uh, eight, ten months ago, you now know. You're you Kylie you Minogue, would... mate. I, this is not a good day for me. <laughs> That's not all you can do is step back. No, I'm not going to do it. Um, anyway, so step, stepping back in time, as you said. So I, I think I think we would most people and you know even the the, the very best economic forecasters would have yep. been quite surprised at where we are. So it's it's yep. very it's very hard to be disappointed with that. Um, economic data is funny. There's always something for everyone. So whether you want to be a bull or a bear, you can you can pick out things that are great and other things mm, that mm. are bad. It's, <laughs> it's one of yeah. You know, it's never it's never uh, a clear cut, and it can change mm, very mm, quickly too. A lot mm. of these figures we get are from surveys and stuff that was sort of done a, a while ago, and then they've just sort of only now yeah. collated the That's figures and, and then yeah, published yeah. it. Yeah, so it it can change really, really, really mm-hmm, rapidly. Mm-hmm. But look, uh, I mean, yeah, the, the, to your initial point, I guess where I, I do struggle a bit mm. is because I think it's all important. I think it's all interesting. But then, I, when it comes down to the so what, it yeah. it doesn't. It I, I do I do struggle to think. I, I put it this way: I find it perplexing that there are plenty of investors and stuff out there that will buy and sell based on these big sort of macro th- themes and reposition mm. portfolios mm. and do all of this kind of stuff. Because yeah. not that it doesn't make sense at at a certain level. It's just that the history of this kind of stuff would show that it does move around very rapidly. It is very unpredictable. 
there are second and third order effects. So when you sort of you could look at something and sort of say, hey, this you know credit defaults are rising, rah rah. Therefore, mm-hmm. I should switch mm-hmm. into this, and then you know the the unexpected happens. So it's mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's 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 the part that I I find difficult. So my, as I've said before, I I tend to sort of you know prepare for the worst hope for the best kind of thing i think where you get into trouble as an investor is is trying to assume you know uh rainbows and lollipops forever and everything's just going to be brilliant and that's that's <laughs> that's where mm, it gets a little bit mm. dangerous so for me when when we do have yeah, things that are a little yeah. bit uncertain it's kind of like well that was always part of the plan so to speak i guess i was always trying to factor in the usual ups and downs and 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 question marks around the economy within all of that it's it's yeah. just trying not to to anticipate perfection and put mm-hmm. a little bit, bit of a buffer in it so it's yeah um but yeah look i i digress i i'm i can't complain too much with with what we're seeing yep yep you know what's fine i'm gonna have a mini rant mate as we start off the podcast it's <laughs> i you know, it, it's easy when uh, let me let me phrase this properly. When you're a professional investor, as as I choose to be and as you choose to be, or at least you're a professional businessman in an investing capacity, um, we are rightly accountable for the things we say and do and our track record, right? Those people who would snark from the sidelines on, oh, I don't know, a social network called Twitter, for example, uh, <laughs> have have no Never. have no similar compulsion or requirement and are rarely held to the same standard. And I'm not complaining about that. I get paid to do this job and that's also fine. Um, but I have to say, I... I during So in October, I think it was, I vividly... I, I, I tweeted, you know, I don't have predictions, but the recovery is coming. It is here. You're seeing the data. It's, we are recovering quickly. It's, it's all good, right? Mm. And I have people, oh, no, just wait, just wait. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be terrible. Oh, it's going to... Wait till this happens. Wait till that happens. Wait till this job keeper comes off. Wait till jobs... Leave. No, 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 no. You know, like, just, just continue. Anyway... Fast forward six months or seven months now, and on Twitter yesterday, or the day before yesterday, whatever it was, some you see people like, oh, of course we'll come. Economy's going to recover. What matters now is what happens next. I'm like, you were the people. You were the people who were saying it's not going to happen. You're wrong, Scott. It's not going to. And now they're like, oh, no, of course it was going to happen. Yeah, 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 of course. No, what's happening next? That's the big problem. And it's kind of mm. like a they're not accountable. B it's the perma bear problem, right? Like I'm a perma, not a perma bull. I'm a, I'm a permanent optimist, um, and mm. I'm on record as that. But the perma bull who just says, "Well, okay, yeah, yeah, but but coming up, but next time, just you wait." You know, it's that the guy who's been been bullish or bearish, sorry for for, for thirty five years, you know, just waiting for the next time. Maybe he'll be right twice a decade or twice every, you know, once a decade. Um, wrong, completely wrong the the rest of the time, but still manages to somehow kick that proverbial you know doom and gloom can down the road until eventually just by sheer luck and, and law of averages he, he gets one right and, and uh, even a broken you, clock is is right twice oh, a day so I that's, love that. that's, that's the problem yeah, you, you will be right eventually yeah. no matter what yeah. your view is i mean eventually you'll you'll oh, be validated just it's just that you could be so wrong for so long in the interim that it's you know it's indistinguishable <laughs> from being wrong overall do you know for me accountable right because no one cares no one's keeping track of of the, the, the random knucklehead on Twitter and they're not all random knuckleheads I have some wonderful followers by the way do, do follow us on Twitter I'm not, not talking about you dear listener I'm talking about the other people they're not even necessarily followers they're just people on Twitter I'm like I, I know Careful. the ones who were the doom and gloomers you know six months ago seven months ago who are now saying oh no of course it was going to be okay but I'm like you can't like just you know and I I want to scream at somebody there's no point you can't be the narc who says oh no look at this tweet here but on the same token there's people listening to these guys it's like oh you're just killing me you're killing me you know for me, it's. I actually have a lot of sympathy for a lot of a lot of the things that the the perma bears sort of say. It's it's not yeah. as if they're 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 crazy expectations or anything yeah, like true. that. And it's not it's not just random people on Twitter too. It's a lot of very uh, <laughs> w- well credentialed um, mm. uh, you know uh, economists and the rest of it. Yeah, so it, yeah. it, 
that's not what what I find strange. <laughs> what I find strange is the certainty mm. around it. I mean, I live yeah. my life in perpetual doubt, you know, and <laughs> and I'm really envious that people can can just have such firm convictions. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a very to my mind there's a very big difference to saying, listen, I've got some concerns that this could happen and mm. this is why. Um, uh, but that's just very different to this is definitely going to happen. And and the the, mm-hmm. the famous example I know that we like to use is is good old Steve Keen, who I, I've got a lot of respect and and <laughs> a lot of sympathy for his view, particularly on house prices and the rest of it. But the guy is so damn certain. It's where it's where people start putting dates on things, and mm-hmm. you know, the the housing market will fall <laughs> X percent by October and you think how how can you these are legitimately chaotic systems you know in a highly complex mm. world and you can it, it just seems as though th- that's the part that I that I really struggle with I think the, the, mm. the hyper certainty on anything is probably is probably not a good thing the, the world is just yeah, not that yeah. black and white it's not and, and and the other thing is I think the the, the presence of risk or potential for risk is not the same as it absolutely happening, right? Like for every ninety, yeah. for every hundred headlines that are written, every hundred risks that are identified, every hundred this time this might happen. Maybe one happens every now and again, and it's the re- it's the mm. reminder that you know it's like it's like everything, right? The returns are the chances of something times the or the, the possibility of something times the the impact of it. And so yes, mm. if you got a you know a big impact issue, a co- I mean no no the other thing is not predicting COVID, right? For everything else that everyone else was predicting, there's in the black July, swan. July yeah. of 2019, no one's saying you know what COVID's a big risk. It was everything else, and of course as everything yeah. else didn't happen, COVID did. You kind of think oh, anyway, just just drives me nuts. Mates up, let's let's move on before I just you know disappear in my own hole of misery and whinging. Um, speaking of whinging, I'll let you whinge. Uh, the there was some numbers out this week which you will love. Only because you're a, you're a, you love a, love a poke bit of fun at the house house market housing market. The uh, the numbers were so this was interesting. There's a le- there's a measure of risk in housing, and at the moment I, I have an issue with it, but I'll, I'll I'll share it with you first, and I'll share my issue. Uh, the mm-hmm. the number of Australians who are borrowing more than six times their income went from eighteen percent to twenty percent. I won't say I'll say during the week. I don't literally mean this week, but the numbers were released this week, um, and that is considered kind of the outer edges of smart, sensible, sane, whatever you want to call it, investing, or maybe just purely rather than putting judgments on it, that, that there's, a, there's a view amongst some analysts, some boffins, that that's the kind of the riskiest group. And so if, the, if that riskiest group is growing, then that in itself is apparently supposed to be a problem. Now, I so that, that there's that, right? I'll, I'll ask you a few views on that. I want to share, though, I think that the whole, I've probably done this before on the podcast, maybe before your time, Andrew, um, as in <laughs> while you were away anyway, before you came back. Um, I find income to asset prices are completely nutty way to review affordability or risk or any of that stuff when it comes to repayments. I just think the, 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 the interest, we know how important interest rates are, right? Borrowing at 17% mm. versus borrowing at 1%. The, 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 if you if you borrow a million dollars at seven eight percent or a million dollars at one percent, the repayments on that number is staggeringly different. And so to mm. pretend that you know the amount you borrow times your income or, or compared to your income is the biggest driver, I don't for the life of me understand why people won't look at repayments against income because it's your ability to afford the monthly bills that matters, not the amount of money you borrowed didn't borrow. If I, if if you give me if you said to me Scott I'll, I'll lend you a hundred thousand dollars, like great thanks, um, but but at how much? You say, oh, look, I'll, I'll give it to you at zero. <laughs> sure, I'll, I'll take your money. Thanks very much. I'll do it at 17, mm. 17%. Well, 
you know, I'm probably not going to. And none mm. of those decisions were, by the way, how much is my income compared to that number? They were completely, hang on, can I afford the repayments? Is that a good deal? Am I completely mad? Like, it's, I find the, and it's, and I know you're a, you're a house price concerner. I won't say you're a bear. <laughs> you're, you're concerned about house prices. No, you're not, you're, not, you're, not, you're not a bear like some others are, right? Some people are just straight yeah. out bears, right? And they look at house price to income and say, therefore, see, look, that's how expensive. And I'm like, it's not expensive if you can, like, it, I just, it, the numbers drive me nuts. What am I missing, mate? No, you're not. You're 100% right. And so what, what we know is- Just stop is, there. That's it. So Done. Thank you. <laughs> well, there's new ones. There's new ones here. That's all I wanted. That's uh, all I wanted. Podcast over. What's it? No, go on. Well, we, we know that when you look at uh, household debt to income levels over, <laughs> yep. we're actually over a very long period of time now, like structurally, they, they have been increasing. Yep. And interestingly, at the same time, the, the um, loan repayment capacity has been yes. falling. So people have been borrowing more and more, but their ability to service those loans have been increasing, increasing. And, and as you rightly point out, the, the distinction there is the drop in interest rates. So yes, I think it, it's, it's silly to look at it um, in a very polarized Mm-hmm. Uh, narrow kind of field because that's what matters. That being said, that being said, it is part of the jigsaw that you need to consider because because one, mm-hmm. no matter what you borrow, even at zero percent, you mm-hmm. have to pay it back at some yeah. stage, right? That's right. So you know, if I just if I take your hundred thousand, well, let's let's ignore the loans for a second now because that's a whole different kettle of fish. But let's assume that there is some sort of expectation of repayment. Well, just you know, fun. if I chuck it under, if I just take that cash and I put it in a safe and then in, in five years yep. I give it back to you, well, there's, there's zero, yep. there's sort of risk yep. to me. But presumably I'm going to take that $100,000 mm-hmm. and if I'm smart, I'm going to try and invest that. I take all the profit and then I give you back your money, which which yep. is wonderful. Yep. Yes. Of course, of course, you know, in the world that we live in, not everything yep. goes up. <laughs> um, I know it, That's it, true. it feels like that sometimes, but but it, yep. but it yep. doesn't. And and so it comes back to my point again. It's not this. Oh, this is definitely disaster, and it's just right around the corner. Mm. There's massive mm. storm clouds. It it is just. I like to look at. I like to take both sides of the argument very seriously. Yeah. And 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 on one hand, you can you can kind of say, well, okay, maybe things continue as they have over the last decade, mm. and. There's a certain upside that's associated with that, or then maybe let's let's t- see what the bears are saying and let's let's take them seriously and what's sort of the scope quantum you know potential downside there. And I, I land back. I've mentioned this before. I really like to consider asymmetry in any investment that I make. So mm, th- th- mm, there's no mm. there's no certainty here. There's there's yep. a certain if everything goes well, here's my here's a realistic assumption of upside, and if it doesn't, here's a realistic assumption of downside. Mm, mm. Um, and and for me, it just seems as though a lot of people are getting themselves into a very uh, unfavorable bet where it's sort of like heads, I win a little bit, mm, mm. tails, I lose a lot and I'm potentially mm. wiped out. Mm, it it mm. doesn't seem like a great bet. So we mentioned uh, weeks ago now, I, I got some stats on the AB, from the ABS just on average prices. And, you know, it was like over the last decade, residential property price index has increased at about 4.3% per annum. An exceptionally good period, I think most yeah, people right. would say. But that's it, right? Like it's not, it's not, it's not 10% per annum. It's not 15, 20% per annum. It's sort of 4%. So maybe let's be generous and say it's 5% per annum. You know, we're coming off a much higher base. We're yeah. now going into an environment where perhaps interest rates are likely to go up, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, let's, let's say that it, it, you know, everything continues as it has. That's probably what I'm looking at. But if there is any sort of hiccup or any kind of, and I, again, I don't, I don't want to get specific on this, but I'm just mm, saying what mm, if, mm. 
And it, leverage works both ways, mate. Leverage is the best thing in the world when your assets <laughs> are going up. You'll make much, yep. by definition, much more money. But what? Yep. But it's a double-edged sword. When when if I borrow a hundred thousand dollars, invest that in something, and it goes down twenty percent, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's actually a lot more that I'm that I'm yeah, losing right. than the twenty percent if I've taken that and combined it with my own. And you know, it's, it's I've still got to pay you back a hundred thousand dollars. So that's that's the only thing I would sort of add add to all of that six times income yeah. is 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 a lot it's fine if interest rates really are genuinely lower for longer and over yeah. the next yeah. Yeah. these are the things people are getting in, in, involved in mortgages that typically you would say uh, for a, it's a 20 or 30 year uh, affair <laughs> mm-hmm. and so that's got to be your sort of time frame so great it's no problem at now at, at this point in time I don't know if it will be next year or the year after but I just I lack the confidence to sort of look out over a 5 10 year period and say no 100% Nothing is going to go wrong, and I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll take my five percent per annum in the meantime. I don't know that. That's I, I, I tweeted something out during the week, which is always if you want to get any any a big reaction on Twitter, oh say something about property prices <laughs> <laughs> or Bitcoin might from experience, but keep going. Oh, B- Bitcoin will Bitcoin will do it too. So it's something I, I read on I read on ABC. They they dug into mm-hmm. some of the these AB uh, a, a Bureau of Stats uh, mm. figures. So there's about 2.24 million Aussies that are, that are landlords that have investment mm. properties. Almost 60% of them are losing money on a rental basis. And that just blew my mind. And of right. course, what they're doing here is is they're, they're happy to do that because they isn't, feel isn't that, like, well, that's the very base of negative gearing, isn't it? That's well. That's it. I get to. I right. get to save a bit of tax. Um, right. Doesn't matter if I'm losing money. It's it's totally cool. <laughs> but it, it'll be compensated for the eventual gain. And it works mm. again. It's a strategy that works really well in under the right environment. It's a strategy yeah. that works really badly under the wrong one. So again, it's not <laughs> saying this will definitely happen. My urging is always just consider. It's the Charlie Munger thing we spoke about recently. Mm. Invert. Mm. Always invert. Mm. Consider the mm. alternative. And and you might still come back with a view of no 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 I'm I'm pretty confident that that's a low probability event and that's fine mm, just mm. consider that possibility is is my urging. I think I think that's fair. I I will say though, mate, there's a very big truck we can drive between the investor thinking they're going to make historically great returns on property and six times income being too much for the average owner occupier. Mm. Do you agree? Like that that to me that's that's the gap, right? It's like. The I know we've we've talked before about that. I don't want to go over old ground, but you know I I'm not so sure we should have financialized the housing market so that prices do move with interest rates, but they have and they do and they will, and that's what every other asset does as well, isn't that? Mm-hmm. I mean, to my mind, that's kind of just the the point, right? Of like that's that's where you um that that's where we find ourselves in, in a in a situation where I just it just makes no sense to me that comparing it because you know if if we go down from six times to four times income in the next five years because rates go to four percent mm. that doesn't make it that doesn't make it any more affordable like if, it's almost like charlie mungus thing about you know always invert right if mm. going over six times income is expensive and wrong right now mm. those same people assuming they are going to say it's not about affordability it's about absolute price to income okay so when when you know at, at some future point when house prices if they fall for example by 20 percent because rates go up to four percent that was, oh, great, thank goodness, housing is more affordable now. And yet the, mm. the interest rate will be higher, the repayments might even be higher. And under that scenario, mm. they'd still be saying, oh, thank goodness, housing is more affordable. It just, it, it, it mm. just makes absolutely no sense to me. I, just, I don't understand why, I don't, I don't know if it's, 
if it's orthodoxy, if it's people don't want to know, if it just suits their purposes so they can keep saying housing is expensive because, look, we can, we can claim housing is expensive because it's more than six times income, therefore housing is going to crash, therefore, look, I'm a genius, it's confirmation bias. I just can't work out what's going on, but it just, it just makes no sense to me when you invert that question and ask it in reverse. Mm. Will you be happy mm. when housing is four times income but, re- but repayments are higher? Is that more affordable? And they will say, no, of course not. Right, well, then stop bloody doing the... Re- it's just, oh, mate. Yeah. I hear nice. you, I hear you. And, I, and I'll clarify, I'm not, I'm not saying it's wrong or it's bad, but if we just look <laughs> at that one dimension and we just look at hmm. uh, right, loans right. To, to, to income value. So yep. as that number goes up, just as an intellectual exercise, so it's yep. six times now um, yep. and there's certain risks associated with that. I think you can say all else being equal, as that goes to seven to eight to nine to ten, the, yep. the systemic risk around that just increases. Now, yes, there are other considerations, 100%. But it's just, it, you're pulling on a rubber band and mm. it's mm. getting a little bit taut. Now, doesn't mean it will snap and maybe I could stretch it a lot further, but it, the tighter it gets, the, the chance of it snapping increases. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 just something, it, it's, it's a single data point. You don't want to extrapolate too much from that one thing. But my, my comment just is, is the higher that gets and historically it's 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 a, never been this high. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 there, there are some concerns that that I think are warranted around that. So to, to square that circle, it's like yes, that's a. If you think that's fine, then that's fine. Yeah, but what you're yeah. really saying is, interest rates aren't going to move materially over over the longer right. term. That that's that's what you're saying. And if you are saying that, and I'm not you're not saying you you. Yeah, just yeah, if, yeah, if that's yeah, what yeah. if that's what people are saying, then yeah. fine, that's it. At least you've thought about it, you've considered it, and you're, you're for whatever reason you're you're confident that that won't happen. Yeah. But if it doesn't happen, then then actually it becomes a huge problem, and that's so, but, that's. But what for the fun of it, let's about. let's play that out, right? So uh, we won't spend too much time on this. We've done it before. We'll probably do it again. Um, isn't it true? I mean, so I think the my 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 frustration with some people, again, not you, um, is the well. When rates go back to historical levels, then we're all screwed, right? That that was that that was the and, and God bless him, Steve Keen argument. When he was wrong 25 years ago about house price, whatever it was, when he was like, "Yeah, I would have been right if the RBA hadn't lowered rates," it's like, right, mm. that's the point. And it just, it, the reverse, I think, is also true that you know the RBA would, by definition, create a housing crash and a massive multi-year recession if they put mm. rates back to historical levels. And so mm. the question really comes down to, you, you're you're right. I'm, again, I'm not not about you, you specifically about other people, but the idea of like, well, when rates go back to normal levels, when the RBA what they're not saying but inferring when the RBA decides to recklessly destroy the economy because they want to push rates up <laughs> dot 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 isn't that the point I mean I just I, I think it's, it's a fair risk as you say and again I'm not, not arguing with you we're kind of we're both arguing past each other because we're not really disagreeing with each other in any significant way it just it just it just stands out to me that that's exactly the point no future RBA mm. governor is going to create a condition where they create that sort of housing crisis. They're just not going to do it because to do so would destroy the economy and their very remit is to get economic growth and inflation and full employment. It, 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 it just beggars belief they mm. would do that uh, other than yeah. the absolute most extreme circumstances. So they're going to look at that and go, okay, well, we would want to, we would put rates up if we could, but we can't because we know we're going to destroy the economy, so we won't, which mm. is, is to me the most obviously logical counterpoint to people who say, well, when rates go back to X, it's like they're just not going to, are they? Do you think well, I'm it's wrong the same. It, no, no, no. It's it's the same argument um, with government stimulus as well. So mm-hmm. what what has happened in the Aussie economy? In fact, most economies around the world is that the rebound that we've seen is because mm-hmm. of air, you know, all the governments just you know threw money money out of helicopters, and yeah. and 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 to so the, 
the people who were extremely bearish last year would probably be saying, well, yeah, it would have been bad, except that this happened. Yeah, yeah. And so, which is which is exactly to your point. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. That's 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 a hundred percent true. Um, uh, yeah, again, so I'm not, I just I want to be really clear here. I'm not saying this is definitely going to happen. I'm just saying as these numbers go up, it, it by definition becomes more concerning. And yeah. and I don't, I don't know at which point the straw sort of breaks the camel's back uh, on yeah, all that true. kind of that's stuff. There, there's, also, there's, there's also the um, the RBA, as we've often mentioned before, is a very blunt instrument. They've got this lever yes. that they can pull. Yes. One way or the other, and that's it. That's the other. there's this in, insanely complex machine called the economy, and they've got this mm-hmm. one dial that they, they can swivel. And so, if there is potentially a scenario where inflation, and we've talked a lot about inflation on the podcast, mm-hmm. there's been a lot in the news mm-hmm. lately, where inflation really starts to take off, and that's going to be very like that's a difficult square yeah. for them to, to yeah. circle. Like, so, you, so you're right. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the answer is, but if I'm the governor and I'm thinking, well, on one hand, I don't want to like send the economy crashing down. On the other hand, prices are getting out of control, and we we need to we need to bring them back. That's that's when it gets to a situation where they might actually be prepared to. In uh, it's the whole. A recession we needed to have kind of thing there, there's potentially a point at which they say well listen we 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 were prepared to see a little bit of pain uh, for the greater good in terms of controlling other problems in the economy so it, it it's <laughs> i don't know what what do you what do you think happens in that scenario where we have huge huge levels of household debt and mm. any any material increase in interest rates is going to impact that significantly. But inflation is getting well beyond the target. Ben, what do they do? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, I that, that that is why for me that argument is the most reasonable one. And I think uh, winding back three or four years, I have long said on this podcast and elsewhere. I think the RBA ends up getting a really terrible rap because. And it's it's just it, everyone does it right, and I don't really understand why. Maybe I think it's easy to it's easier right? if you've got if you at a first order level, if you're like those guys over there control interest rates, those guys over there are responsible for the economy. Therefore, if the economy is not doing what I want, then it's the fault of interest rates. Mm. And it just ignores. I've, I've used the example before. The RBA is flying a biplane, and it's got a, mm. a joystick in front of it. it. Can push it up or down, or hold it where it is. That's mm. it. Right, the mm. government off to its port side or starboard side, just to be sound like I know what I'm talking about, be a little bit nautical in the air. Do they have port and starboard <laughs> in the air? I'm not sure. Let's assume they do. I'm not sure. If, if you're if you're in the air force or navy, please don't write in. I, I apologise in advance. Um, <laughs> the the, the government's flying an F eighteen fighter jet with bombs and guns and heads up displays and computers and you know like it it's got every mm. policy dial switch knob lever in the world. And the RBA is on the other bike plane going, do I go up or down or stay where I am? That's it. That's all they can do. Mm-hmm. And I think exactly yeah. to your point, it, the, the whole concept of the RBA saying, well, hang on, we, yes, house prices are out of control, but we've also got to keep the economy going. And we can fix house prices by pushing the economy down or we can hold the economy steady and let house prices go up. Which option do we want? There, there are two choices. We have no, yeah. we have no third option. Um, it, it, it drives me a little bit nuts, mate, to, to your point. I think this is where housing policy gets hard because historically it's never been financialized in the same way. When rates have gone from, you know, nothing to 17 and back to not much and then down to this level, house prices didn't respond the way other financial assets do to those changes in rates to the same degree. Because in the past, mm. it was like, well, housing is housing. And almost to your point, we looked at debt as a proportion of income. And so when mm. house prices fell or interest rates fell, sorry, the repayments just got cheaper. Went, okay, cool. Same price, mm. cheaper repayments. Everyone's happy. Great. People, mm. not unreasonably, as we financialized housing, said, 
I can afford more then. So I'll borrow more because mm. I want the house. And that's not un- mm. like in a, in, a, in a market, that's exactly what you would expect to happen. So it's not, it's not, a, it's not a bug that the market's become financialized. Now we may dislike it. We maybe should have done something about it. But I th- I, I, that's where the policy failure has been. Between APRA, mm. the banking regulator and the government who could or should have said at some point, hey, this is okay or this is not okay. We need restrictions or we don't need restrictions. You can borrow this much or you can't borrow this much. Maybe we want to make it a portion of income so that people actually save money when rates go down. Um, mm. Now, I don't, I don't, this is, I guess, philosophical really fast, right? I don't know the answer because I'm not sure I want governments telling us how much house prices should be. I'm not sure mm. it's their role and I'm not sure we could get an ideological agreement as to how much we all should pay for it. Like, uh, it's, it's a really difficult decision, right? We can all say it's too yeah. expensive. And I, I, when people do say it's too expensive, I then say, on what basis? And they say, debt to income. And then I, my head blows up again. Um, but mm. yeah, if you think it's too expensive, great. What would you have the government do? And, and I think that's the bit where you, you have to work out what you think a house should be worth in some sort of absolute or relative number. And then work backwards to how do you make sure it gets to that point, stays at that point, or goes back to that point. It's really, really mm. tough. It is, and I, I would I would argue here's here's mm. the, the irony I think of the situation is that you know as as someone who who thinks there's a, a lot of great things that the, the mm. capitalist system does does a lot of bad things too but a lot of great things that it does you know, it's really good at determining that question of it it shouldn't ever be some central authority that says this is what a house is worth it should be left to the market um it's it's a really good situation there but then but the irony is, is that you know particularly to to the to the right of center where you are more about sort of free markets and the rest of it the level of intervention there is quite staggering um so it it, it seems as as though the i would and this this comes back to steve Keen's uh, argument right is is that the market probably would have corrected to some degree prices probably wouldn't have gotten out of control with different policy settings but the government has stepped in so it has been something that that has been not orchestrated or anything like that it's probably a very much an unintended sort of consequence and and you know different different factors at, at play here but but it has been it has been the effect of various government policies very and various settings that that have helped foster this and you know what I mean? So it's it's kind of, I'm not saying that they should step in and then say a house is is worth X, but you do have to have a pretty serious awareness of the long term consequences of a lot of the policies that you're enacting. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's I'll give you I'll give you a couple of examples. I'll give you a couple of examples. On, yeah. Allowing people to access their super to buy a house, <laughs> giving oh, that's an easy giving, one. That's an easy one. Not right? allowing, but encouraging. Bloody encouraging now now is that a distortion of the free market it is it, that, that that is a very big distortion that's going to only work in in one way or or whether it's like we're going to give uh, a certain class of homeowners you know first homeowners or whatever a whole bunch yeah. of extra money to go yeah. to put into the system or yeah. we you know it's it's it, these these policies have have an impact on on yep. all of this so they kind yep. of they kind of do have something to answer for here as mm. I, I don't know mm. I don't mm. know I don't know I don't even know we've gone so far off the original point I'm, I'm a little bit lost <laughs> I guess I just come back I come back to my normal sort of default uh, stance which is I'm not going to tr- I'm not going to be that idiot that tries to exactly <laughs> forecast these things I just I just yeah, feel that yeah. risks change when things move yeah, in, in various yeah. directions and that yeah, my yeah. encouragement is always to people is just to just to consider that is that think about what might not go to plan and if it doesn't go to plan what does that look like and if you're happy with that then that's great but you know 
Just be aware of it. It's just it's the Pollyanna-ish, it's the Pollyanna-ish yeah, 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 view right. on things that right. things things yeah, will always yeah. be great until they're not. Until yep. they're not, and that's that is that is just dangerous. Where where the person is a little bit more sanguine, who just sort of says, yeah. "Well, look, I don't think so, and I hope it certainly doesn't go against me. But if it does, I've still got the shirt on my back." Get more Motley Fool money advice at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Let's move on, although only a little bit, mate. We'll try to spend too much time as we've done plenty on, um, on on property. I will say for all the conversation and part of the rates conversation we were just having, um, two really interesting points this week. The bond market is, uh, the people who calculate these things and know these things, is forecasting Australian interest rates to be 1.1%. By the end of 2024. Now that's still that's three big years increase. away. Well, mm. it is right. So at 0.1 now, that's four rate increases between now and 2024. They're predicting most of them are in 2024 itself. But the point there is, once they start to go, they're going to keep going. Is is the is the it's not going to be one rate increase and then leave it for another five years, right? At least the the now the bond market could be wrong, but but it's worth pointing that out separately, but maybe not separately because these things feed into each other. Westpac has increased the rates on its two, three, and five, I think I want to say. I'm not sure that's close to right. Um, term interest rates. So the mm. fixed term rates that were lower than variable for a while and have been are now starting to creep up. There is very much a sense that maybe as the RBA designed or despite the RBA's comments, which we will look at it, they're starting to see rates increase now. The banks and the bond market are making mm. bets about this economy, the economic recovery we started by talking about is happening. Um, that, is the, that is the concern. There is a concern, I think, my... My biggest concern is the the old. You remember the in the US subprime crisis was caused by the adjustable reset mortgages. Remember those ones where they they had the, the honeymoon rates and they they jumped up exactly. This mm. is not so much that exact, except it kind of is because if you're locking in a fixed rate which is lower than variable, and you roll off that fixed rate onto variable onto another fixed rate at some point in the future, if you've got a a two year fixed rate, twenty twenty three, you're going to have to go to the prevailing rate. That's probably going to be higher, maybe even mm. meaningfully higher than you're paying now. There is some sense of that kind of. Again, it's not a honeymoon rate. There's nothing, there's nothing um, you know, US banks were arguably, or maybe not even arguably, trying to basically suck customers in and then, you know, letting them deal with the issues later because the brokers got commissioned. So there was there was a very, it's incentives, as Charlie Munger would say, drove that one. I don't think it's necessarily underhanded here or in any way inappropriate or, or untoward, but it is potentially mm-hmm. real that if and when rates go up, people on fixed rates now will actually just, it's going to be a jolt of an increase, not like a sub, uh, subtle 0.25, It may well be the fixed rate or the variable rate is a full percentage point above what they're currently paying in one fell yeah. swoop. It's 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 not a small de- not a small thing. That's uh, kind of what I'm talking about, you know. Right. <laughs> it's that's that's that is. I made you argue for you. Yeah, and again, again, let me be clear. I'm not saying this will happen. I hate that certainty kind of stuff, but that is that is what you absolutely need to factor in. Just to come back yeah. to the bond market as well. So, you know, just look back. let's go back to basics here. So bonds are just IOUs, mm-hmm. right? And so yeah, governments yeah. issue them, corporates issue them, you know, yep. lend us some money. We'll pay you a, a certain coupon rate, which is just another what fancy way of saying we'll pay you an mm-hmm. interest on that. And at the end of the period, we'll, we'll pay you back. So um, I would argue that over the, the the big picture over the long term it's actually the bond market that does set interest rates it's not the reserve bank it's you can't force someone to to accept your uh, your debt <laughs> if if the if they don't right, consider right, the right. rate attractive yep. enough you know the barbier can yep. do what it likes but if cba turns around and says hey we're going to issue a bunch of bonds at 0.1 of a percent 
the market at a point might go, well, I don't want to, you know, and 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 yeah, others yeah, might have yeah. to sort of say, listen, we, we need to offer half a percent, one percent, two percent, three percent. And some, you know, you you need to have someone accept this debt for the market to function and then for the and for interest rates to be set. And the, and the RBA is kind of driven by that, I would say, from a big bigger macro sense over the longer term. So when the bond market starts doing these kinds of things, it is it is a pretty interesting signal i would say um don't you think don't you think that that's kind of almost that 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 is that is more the the dominant factor that we need to consider because if people out there are just saying hey listen i'm just not paying as much for my bond which is another way of saying that interest rates yep, need right. to be higher yeah that's that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna drive things right I think it's right. I, I, don't, I don't sort of disagree. I, I think that's that's absolutely what the market is predicting, and, and, and that will end up being a self fulfilling prophecy at some point. Now, it wouldn't be the first time rates come back down again if the bond market yeah. changes its view. And so, if the economy recovers more weakly, for example, uh, we may well see it down. And that's the other problem, right? Is we want to be careful what we wish for. Um, lower rates mm. would actually mean the economy wasn't recovering as fast or as quickly or, or, or as yeah. far, I should say. Um, as it otherwise might, or we'd like it to. So it's kind of one of those. It's like inflation, right? Do you want to pay more for your groceries? No. Would you like the economy to go really well and have unemployment under four percent? Yeah, I would. Well, you yeah. got to choose one. You know, you don't, you don't get yes. you don't get both. You can choose one or the other, mate. Let's yeah. let's uh, let's not drag this out. Let's go to a, a company story, which is actually really a really great story. And you mentioned this to me uh, before we started recording. Brickworks, which you know, so you know what's funny. Quick aside, we I do a little bit of a video for our, our US members um, for our US services. And we focus every now and again on a company that, for example, that's um, that's doing its thing, uh, and sometimes we talk about Aussie broadband or Australian ethical investments or brickworks, and way too often, it's like, yep, it does what it says on the tin. You know, there's no Googles, yeah. there's no Yahoos. It's like brickworks. So you guys do bricks? Yeah, yeah, we do, we do. Australian ethical investing. You, <laughs> you invest ethically? Yeah, yeah, we do. Aussie broadband. Let me guess. You're in, you're in broadband Australia, aren't you? <laughs> exactly, yeah. right? It's like, yeah. I, okay, look, you know, I, I, I have a lot of time for that, mate. Can I say I hate made-up names as a general rule? Almost as much as I hate <laughs> numbers and tickers, as you well know. Um, but it's just, just as an aside, it's just, it's just, I love the fact that it's kind of, that just is what it is, right? That's, that's what it does. Okay, it's, it's, yeah, as you say, corporate travel management, managers corporate travel. No, come on. Yeah. I, I own shares in corporate travel. I should disclose, as we mentioned it. All right. Um, that being said, Brickworks. One yeah. of the most boring businesses on the ASX. Shares yeah. jumped 9% yesterday. You'd be forgiven if you think it was a tech stock. It's doing yeah. really, really well, partly, by the way, as a result of the economic recovery, partly on the back of property prices. And you mentioned to me, it's just a really astoundingly successful business over a really long period of time. So you tend to think that the real money is made in the <clears throat> getting early in on the afterpays or the zeros or these kinds of things, these sort of innovative bleeding edge technology companies that are just benefiting from these big structural shifts and contrast this with brickworks the code is bkw it's it was actually formed in 1908 right so it's one of the longest running uh, uh, successful companies on, on uh, in australia mm, it listed mm. in the 60s at, uh, and if you at that point in time so over the last 53 years or so mm, this company mm that makes bricks let me just emphasize that yeah. and this is not a high-tech product has yeah. has delivered a near enough a 13 percent compound annual return over that period so if you'd put if you would put one thousand dollars into brickworks in 1968 right. you now have yeah. five hundred and five hundred and fifty thousand dollars <laughs> 
That's a bit more than inflation, I'm going to guess. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'm tipping that's better than inflation. Investing in bricks. And here's the other here's the other great stat with Brickworks is that yep. they they have I think they are the longest uh, running uh, they have the longest running history of uninterrupted dividend increases. So their dividend has never gone backwards, not by a single cent in around forty five years. Wow. Um, which go. is just stat so this includes time. This includes the 87 crash. It includes the dot-com bubble burst. It includes mm, the Asian mm. financial crisis. It includes the GFC. It includes COVID. Not once did it, yep. it did it cut its dividend. And yet, it, not only is it just bricks, but it's obviously, you know, bricks, <laughs> you know, tend to, to be in more demand when there's a lot of housing construction and, and this other yeah. kind of stuff. So it's, it's a very conservatively run business. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really, it, it's one of those businesses that, you know, I had. I think it was you actually first pointed out to me years ago. You're like, "Oh, Brickworks, like ho hum, not interested." Yeah, right. And then exactly. You, yeah. You look into it a little bit more, and you think the business model here is really fascinating. Maybe, maybe it's worth um, outlining exactly what they do because it is a little bit more than than yeah. just just making bricks. Do you want to expand yep. on that? Yeah. Sure. So, uh, what I, so I, I don't own Brickworks. I will disclose upfront. I own shares in Washington H. Sol Pattinson. Um, that'll be the link will become a little bit clearer as I mention it, but I'll, I'll mention it up front that we can get on with it. Um, and arguably because I have a cross shareholding, which we'll also get to, I have an interest in Brickworks, um, which again we'll get to in a minute. So I'll put all that out there really quickly. Brickworks has three core businesses. It's in the brick business, funnily enough, bricks and tiles. Though not just bricks, bricks and tiles. Um, yeah, and tiles, which you know, and like we, we kind of some- yeah, well, a little bit. We laugh about it, and it's kind of you know, but it's really important, right? And it's actually really profitable, and they've done really really well with it. So that's that's the first thing to mention. So they are in the construction business. Second thing they're in is the investment business. And they're in the investment business because they own about 40% of Solpats. And Solpats own about 44% of Brickworks. And so it's kind of a bit convoluted, a bit kind of, you know, if you, if you kind of look twice, it's all, you don't want to add those numbers together because they, they kind of own part of each other. Um, the, the net result, of course, is that they have they get a, a decent income stream and, and they get attributed some profit because of accounting rules. Um, they have to allocate some of the Solpat's profit to their shareholders. So investing is their second business line, if you like, or value creator. And, and the there's cash behind is, that, just to interrupt, by the way, too. Yeah. Yes, there's, there's there's a difference between how that's always accounted for because there's non-realized yep. gains in that. Yeah, but there are dividends correct. that they get from Solpat. There's very much a cash flow true, component true. to it. Yep. yep, yep. I just want to make the point that there's a thing called equity accounting. If you own more than 20% of a business, you're obliged to basically roll in the financials as if you own the business outright, which makes it really yep. messy to kind of unpick. Uh, yeah. So the reported profit won't always match the reported cash flows because Solpats, for example, will pay out less in dividends than it, than it delivers in profit. And so it won't yes. get all the cash, for example, from the, from the profits reported. So there's that. The third one I, is my, my very, very favorite part of Brickworks, and it's their property business. And I haven't, I don't know if I mentioned this on the, on the podcast before. Here's, here's what I love about the Brickworks property business, right? So let's say you're in uh, regional Adelaide. And let's say, oh, no, you're, you're in suburban Adelaide, sorry. And the suburban sprawl's continuing in Adelaide as it is for the rest of the rest of the country. And so there's new houses being built on the northern outskirts of Adelaide. Now, forgive me if I'm getting the geography wrong here. I'm not an Adelaide native. So let's assume it's not, no, it might not be north. There's probably hills or something there. There are Adelaide hills. I think that might be in the way. Anyway, mm. let's assume. Let's assume they're going to build, build houses in the north of Adelaide. Uh, so there's new suburbs gazetted, right? And everyone looks at me and goes, we need to get some bricks from somewhere. Now, bricks are really, really big and they're really, really heavy. heavy and they're really, really cheap per kilogram, right? So the price mm. per kilo is actually really, really low. Or mm. put the other way, 
the freight cost per dollar of value is really, really high. If I'm going to send a truck from Sydney to Brisbane with a load of bricks, I'm going to lose money before it gets there. I just can't make yeah. enough profit on the bricks to cover the transport costs. So what happens? Well, Brickworks, occasionally it's competitors, but hopefully in our case, Brickworks, says, you know what, guys, I'll open a brick pit in this new area you're going to open up. And it does. And so that's great because it keeps costs down and they build all the houses around it. And it's all wonderful. The suburbs start up and it's all good. And they keep building further and further away. Eventually, the brick pit either is effectively, I would say empty, but is, is you know no longer useful as a brick pit. Or depleted. Mm-hmm. Depleted, thank you. Or it's simply too far away from the new construction to be worthwhile. So you've got a brick pit that no one wants, which is terrible because you've lost all that investment, right? Wrong. Nope. <laughs> the beauty of this is the suburbs have gone so far past you that the brick pit you bought for pennies on the dollar a decade, two decades ago is all of a sudden now worth a squillion dollars because it's the largest piece of unutilised land in a newly thriving metropolis of, in this case, Northern Adelaide. Mm. And so all of a sudden, Brickworks, it's paid almost nothing. They've they made a fortune bring, you know, pulling bricks out of the place. And then when they finish, they get paid more than they paid to buy the land in the first place to leave. And it's a really, yeah. really nice... Unless you understand the business, you kind of wouldn't get it. And I didn't get it up first either. But all of a sudden you go, hang on, that's just a great hidden value, right? You, you get to buy the asset, use the asset, and then sell the asset for more than you started with. There's not many things, you know, if you buy a car, unless it's, a, unless it's an SS Monaro limited edition or, a, you know, 1948 something, I won't try and pick the model because I'll get it wrong, um, that, that's somehow worth more. The, the, second, the longer more I drive my car, the less it's worth, right? In this case, the more Brickworks uses its pits, the longer it uses those brick pits for, the more they're worth. It's just a really, yeah. really nice, you know, cherry on top of that cake. Well, it, it, it really is. And so this is comes back to my point of sort of long-term thinking, which these guys are just the right, masters right. at as well. So it's not something that, that, that you're not going to see that play out over a few years. But given given the breadth of their operations and how long they've been running for, this is now sort of a constant sort of feature for them. Yeah. In fact, in their presentation that they released to the market yesterday, they said, well, actually, if you look at all the things that we own, we, we the way that they're accounted for on the books isn't necessarily a good reflection of the actual market value, just just for the way that you account for mm-hmm. property. Mm-hmm. Um, often it's done at cost and other things and let's let's not go into that. But they basically said, we, you know, based on the value of all of our, what we think the, the market value is of all our property, take yeah. off our debt, divide it by the yeah. number of shares on issue. It's worth about 27 bucks a share. And you think, well, hang on, shares are trading on the market <laughs> at 23 bucks a share. Right, so right, right. I'm buying something, which if, if this thing got wound up today, so let's say I became the new CEO, I just mm, said, we're just mm. closing everything down and we're going to sell all of our assets. I could yeah, probably get 27 yeah. bucks a share, maybe a bit less after tax and rah, 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 rah. Mm. Maybe put a mm. bit of buffer around their valuations and the rest of it. But there's not much down. Here's my point of asymmetry, right? There's not much downside to to that there's there's a huge and wonderful solid tangible asset base to to what they do and yet in the meantime there's also this economic machinery in place which is generating mm. lots of cash flow mm. along the way mm. so it's it's yep. it's just it's just phenomenal um yeah. yeah great business great business it is remarkable and uh and look that that cross shareholding with sop does make things a bit difficult sometimes to try and really unpick properly um because if i own half of you and you own half of me well, if I own half of your half of my half of your half of my half, then how much is left? It gets really yeah. hard really quick. <laughs> so it does my head. It does my head in. Yeah. yeah, it's not the easiest business to, to, to unpick properly. The good news is, thankfully, um, the businesses do you normally give you that number. They normally give you the net tangible assets as you've talked about, Andrew, of, of both mm. of those. I, I like and own Sop Hats, as I said. Um, I don't own Brickworks, unfortunately, particularly after Wednesday's move, though, again, because I own kind some of Sop Hats, I own yeah. some of Brickworks. So it's kind of, you know, I do get yeah. some of the, some of that value. Um, the Milners who who 
runs off hats and who, who chair Brickworks are fantastic managers. Uh, Lindsay Partridge, CEO of Brickworks, great long-term focus manager. It's kind of one of those things, mate. And this is, we recommended so, just a quick tangent. We recommended Salt Pats to our members. Oh, man. Were you, you probably working, were you working on sharing? I was around. recommended Salt Pats. You were around, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I put it on Dividend Investor too. There you go. And mm. you know what? So, so, and a lot of members, and I, I love our members, but said, oh, I'm not doing that. No, that's, that's too boring. I'm going to go to the exciting stuff. Salt Pats has beaten the market over the last one, three, five, 10 and 15 years and it's people going and, and yeah, 50 no, no, years I want, I, want, I want more exciting stuff it's like yeah. oh you really don't <laughs> or you might want yeah. to but you really you, know, you need to have another think about it so and just a reminder that um, you know boring can be can be beautiful and you shouldn't turn your nose up at it too quickly because um, there really can be some some lovely lovely compounding and again the, the value of compounding right if you can beat the market by a couple of points most years more often than not and over time if you can compound that the, the results as you said what is it $1,000 to 550 in brickworks over yep. what's it 50 something yep. years since, since 1968 yeah just so remarkable. it's just, just unbelievable remarkable. unbelievable phenomenal there you go mate um, let's oh can I just say, just say, just say, oh, no, say oh, yeah, one, one more thing one more thing to that so the other thing that's interesting about this is very old world kind of company mm-hmm. is that one of the risks that does not worry me at all about this business is the risk of disruption so yeah. if I've got the latest and greatest, you know, if I'm selling pages or fax machines or something, I might be the world's best at it, but then a technology comes along that just makes me obsolete overnight um, yeah. or film cameras or any of this kind of stuff. Bricks are very hard to disrupt. I can't see a world yeah. <laughs> where, you know, someone yeah. is going to come around tomorrow and say, hey, we've got, because it, it, it is, it is, they've actually got huge, you know, huge benefits um, in terms of their thermal and noise insulation and all mm-hmm. this other kind of stuff. It's very, very likely that in 50 years time, maybe the proportion will change, but we'll still be building houses out of bricks. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's another really nice feature as well. It's, it's, they, 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 there's not that disruption risk, which I find just really fascinating. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good point. It's a good point. I mean, it, it's possible, right? We won't, won't build houses out of bricks, uh, steel and glass or something else. Like, there's always a chance. Um, yeah. But, you know, this, this, these are long, long, long-term changes. If it's going to happen, we'll have 20 years' notice, right? Like, the, the, they'll start, it'll start to move and start to move and start to move. And again, even if it does, that, that land it's going to own. You know, as long as it doesn't yes. waste money opening new brick pits, the land it's got, you know, uh, it's just it's just remarkable, just remarkable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, very good, mate. Um, let's let's keep the companies for a second. And I'm, I you know, I I used to joke. I saw it occasionally when a company falls a lot over and over again. You know, I joke. That I'm sure, I'm surprised there's still any percentages left to lose. Right now, of course, it's always on defi- a declining number, so you never get to zero. Or at least mm. by, by losing percentages, you can't get to zero. You can go broke. Um, yep. I what a, this time though, I'm surprised that there are any money laundering investigations left to do oh, God. and yet mm. Austrac mm. <laughs> this week have pointed the, the 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 finger of blame at one bank and three casino <laughs> groups some of these going back Whoa, to 2017 surprise, surprise. Mm. well I kind of am surprised well I, it's one of those things like <laughs> I'm just surprised there's still more more potential alleged we should use all those words um, poor behaviour to actually find like how much more can there be that we've been through X number of royal commissions, we've been through X number of Oztrack investigations, we had the you know the potential and, and tragic like I don't want to I don't make light of this at all tragic funding of things like child abuse exploitation in in Asia through some of the money that was being laundered through Australian banks like it just this has real world mm. consequences, but from an yeah. investing perspective I just am genuinely staggered maybe I shouldn't be I probably should be more cynical. I just can't believe there's still more stuff to uncover. Like, how can these things be run so badly in so many different ways 
for so long that they're still stuff to find. It's it just biggest belief. Yeah, it's 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 hard not to be cynical. Um, you, I can imagine when you're in the position of being a, a, a bank or a casino, when there's just mm. a lot of cash flow that's coming from areas that you don't obviously know where that's coming from. Mm. Maybe you mm. have your suspicions, but geez, this is really profitable for us. You know, maybe mm. maybe mm. we just don't want to investigate that that too closely. It's it's there's it, it, as always, it's a question of of incentives. Mm. And mm. I, you know, as I, I'm not, I'm not surprised at all because I mean, how many different you know things need to be surfaced before you before you start think before you do start to take a cynical view with these kinds of things. So it's mm. it's mm. really disappointing. I, I, I wish there was that. The trouble is, I think, is that when when Austrac announced this, what did you think Westpac shares did? Like they dropped ten percent <laughs> or anything? Of course not. Because we all yeah, just go, yeah. yeah, cost of doing business, maybe they'll get a fine, maybe this will happen. No one cares because and 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 then that that's also a very powerful incentive as well or helps contribute to it because it's that uh what do they call it that moral hazard uh at play where it's kind of like well let's just keep doing this for a while or you know just be be willfully ignorant of this for a while Mm. and Mm. worst case scenario someone finds out we get a slap on the wrist it's the cost of doing business it's still worth it (laughs) it's still worth it you know, yeah, it's like if I yeah. if I could if right. I could if I could yeah, sell drugs bother, yeah, out the back exactly, of my yeah. ute and make squillions of tax free in- income, and the worst thing that can happen to me is that if the cops bust me, I pay a thousand dollar fine. <laughs> I'm going to be having exactly vans right. all over the city, yeah, right? Yeah, because yeah. Yep. because what? Well, so what? Well, wouldn't you? Now, yeah, if, if, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. worth the risk. If I'm going to get my hands cut off and thrown into a gulag for 50, 50 years, <laughs> well, yeah, you know, twice. maybe maybe I'll think twice about that. So I just you know. I, I do think there's another sort of policy dimension to this. So it's great work that yeah. Austrac is doing, but it seems like a bit of a bit of a toothless tiger in a lot of ways. Because even even <laughs> when they sort left. of unequivocally prove all of this kind of stuff yeah. and levy the full yeah. weight of the law on these people, I go, <laughs> okay, that that wasn't that wasn't too bad. So I don't know. Am I being am I being too jaded? Perhaps I'm being too. Oh jaded. no! Well, I I would have thought so. What what is interesting though is, of course, we'd lost some bank CEOs as a result of the Royal Commission. So that there are there are there are consequences now that perhaps there haven't been in the past. I agree with you. Well, let, let, me, let me jump on that. Let me jump on yeah. that. They they lost their job. Yes. They didn't go to jail. No, they didn't, but if you think they about didn't get a fine, right? Wouldn't they? Would, do you think they would have rather stay in the job for another five years for, at five million dollars a year? I mean, it's not. I'm not, I'm not saying they were treated terribly. But my point is, incentive wise, before the Royal Commission, the chance of downside was almost zero. It was corporately born. No one actually kind of suffered for it. Some of those CEOs mm-hmm. who lost their jobs. Have gone. Is it um, Brian Hartzer from Westpac? Pretty much still not earning million. Like you know, doing some investing on his own behalf and stuff. He could have that anyway uh, on whatever money he's got. He could be earning X million dollars a year for the last what five years now since the Royal Commission. So he, he's missed mm. out on a on a sizable packet. I think there's. Oh, I'm not. I'm not arguing that it's necessarily even enough. I'm just saying that I think the worm is starting to turn a little bit. There are now personal consequences. It might be jail. Might be might be good legs or losing hands. That might be mm. probably hard, hard mm. to expect. It just, just it just strikes me there is some degree of. Um, there is some degree of consequence, if not penalty, consequence in terms of lost potential future income. I think three of the four banks lost CEOs after the after the Royal Commission, from memory. Um, so there is there is some impact, some impact, some if not much. Yeah, I'm just I, yeah, there is, and there's not there's no impact. It's just it's not much of an. Again, when when I'm when I'm going through the calculus myself, it's like. Look, it's the asymmetry again. You know, upside is <laughs> exactly, continue to yes, do well. Yes. We all get great bonuses. Shareholders are super yep. happy. Oh, yep, I yep. potentially lose my job. And yeah, okay, maybe that means I miss out on making a few extra mil per year, but I'm already loaded. You know, mm. I'm, I'm, I, 
I don't. It's not a strong enough incentive not to do it. I, I would argue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that, I think that's fair. Mate, let's uh, let's finish off with. Um, well, I, I just you are you are a resident type cryptocurrency guru bull. Um, I'm not sure what to call you. I, I call you all sorts of names actually, but I won't because I'm a nice bloke. Uh, you you are, you are the resident uh, the resident uh, something about Bitcoin. El Salvador. I'm open-minded, my El- friend. About well, Bitcoin. no, no, no. You're you're long Bitcoin. Let's 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 be clear. You're not just you're not sitting on the fence on this one. You're in you're in gap <laughs> Bitcoin. Um, like, El Salvador, like two two percent, has, has overnight. Yes, yeah, yep. Has over. I don't rule my story. Has overnight <laughs> agreed or decided to make Bitcoin legal tender. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I, <laughs> interesting is one word for it. I had plenty of people on Twitter who said, "See, told you, I told you." I'm like, I, I, I'm sure El Salvador is a fine country. I'm sure they have some wonderful people. I'm not entirely sure I'm taking my asset allocation decisions from the El Salvadorian government, though. Are you? Is this? Is no, this? Is this, no. is this um, has Bitcoin arrived? Does this give you some degree of justification for your positions? Are you? Are you patting yourself on the back here? What's going on? No, and I really, I, no, not at all. And it, it does, it does make me laugh too when you sort of see people jump mm. all over news items like this and go, "Aha! I told you." You know, it's sort <laughs> of like it, it's fascinating because it's yeah. it's a world first. It's historically yep. interesting. Yeah. Uh, we will look back in time at, at some point and potentially sort of say, "Well, this was mm, the first mm. country to to ever do that." But no, it it, it doesn't yeah, radically yeah. change. I mean, this is a this is a very small economy. Uh, unfortunately, El Salvador is a very poor uh, country as well. Something like I read, you know, the equivalent of twenty five or odd percent of their GDP is from remittances from overseas. So there's a lot of uh, expats who work in in other countries and send their money back, and a lot of them do it with Bitcoin and that. So I think there's an acknowledgement of it's it's a, it's it's far more important to the average El Salvadorian than it is to someone in Australia. Um, so no, mate, I, I I think I think it is. I think it is interesting, um, but I, I don't think it really changes things too much. I, I assume I assume you think the same. I do. I am curious though as to uh, so I, I I completely agree. I think like you know it's not the US, and even if it was, I'm still not sure. Like you know, recognizing it as a the, the El Salvadoran government basically saying, look, it might encourage more people to send money home to El Salvador, that which which is the the very reason they're trying to do this. Um, and if you're El Salvador, you might as well, right? Because there's you, you, I imagine I don't. I'll make some sweeping statements here. I imagine there's a decent grain market in, for example, U.S. dollars in El Salvador anyway. Um, so oh, yeah, to some degree, sure. they, you know, do they have do they have a truly sovereign currency? Probably not in in a in in, a, in an active way. I'm sure they. I'm not saying they don't. If there's anyone from El Salvador listening, please know I'm not criticising or, or um, belittling the country or the, or the government or the people. Um, but if if there is the reality that there is other currency being used already. There is little harm in doing it, and if it does increase remittances home, and that's a meaningful part of their economy, which I imagine it is, then it probably makes some degree of sense, I suppose. Yeah, Mate, last yeah. one as we finish off. Um, yay or nay? Jeff Bezos going to space. Good thing. It's, bad thing. It, it's it's more of a Richard Branson-y kind of uh, thing, isn't it? Than a than a do Jeff reckon, Bezos. Do you reckon Elon is, is Elon kind of quietly seething like, oh man, he gets to do it first? That's really annoying. <laughs> Do you reckon it's part of that? He's like, well do you reckon? I don't know. I, I tend to think there might be. So Jeff Jeff Bezos is uh, Blue Origin, his his space company. Um, you know, you, you, you no self respecting billionaire doesn't have a space company, so it's it's what you've got to do. And um, <laughs> yeah, he's he's got this sort of space tourism sort of gig that he's he's going. So it's going to send people into mm-hmm. space, and he's going to be on the first flight. I think it's in July, is it July twenty or something like that? I haven't said that. I think it is. Um, yeah, I think it's July. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's not far off. Um, and we should like he's not going to Mars, right? So this is literally an eleven minute flight. Uh, you, well, surely sure they can find their way back. I mean, it might be Gilligan's <laughs> Island. He might just you know keep going. I'm not sure, but in theory, <laughs> might be all, in theory, he's orbiting not going the to Earth <laughs> for the next hundred years. Well, guys, they, I can't it, get down. <laughs> it's like an eleven minute ride, and three minutes of it is in mm, zero mm. g. So it's it's a. Mm. Uh, Look, and it's it's interesting. On one hand, you kind of think, oh, is that a marketing exercise? Well, look, this is a market that's only available to the mega, mega, mega rich. So mm. it's probably not. It, it, I, I genuinely think that with <laughs> Jeff, it's just like he really wants to do it and he can. Yeah, yeah. So, he's, so, he's, so he's going to. Um, yeah. I've got to tell you, I'd be tempted to as well. I'm a bit of a space nerd. I, I would like, <laughs> I would love to strap myself to a rocket and go up would into space for a few Would you go on the first days. one though? This is he's going. He's going. The, I mean, yeah. uh, you know, look, someone, someone's taking a risk, and I'm not saying his life is worth more than anybody else's, but I am cut. Well, <laughs> that, that being said, I own Amazon shares, right? Like it's at some level, you know, his survival is kind of important to me, you know. And so I'm kind yeah. of, I'm not sure if I want him on the first, the, the fifth rocket, knock yourself out. The tenth rocket, go for it. You know, after yeah. the, the first one, oh mate, I, that feels a bit risky to me. It, it definitely. Okay. I mean, it def. It definitely is. I mean, let's. I mean, they have sent test mm, flights mm. and that kind. So it's not the first. It's not like, hey, let's see if this rocket works and strap mm, the CEO mm. of Amazon to to the <laughs> to, to the nose cone. Um, mm. But yeah, oh yeah. I mean, like, oh, could you imagine the the headlines if things go pear shaped here? So, but I, mm, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I am sure that they have they have done whatever they can to minimise the risk and. Um, but yeah, it's it's just it's just a really interesting bit of news, and I and I totally empathise with with shareholders that going, uh, Jeff, do you are you sure that you need to be the person that does this? You know, what are the contingencies in place just yeah. in case? You know, it might be a one in a thousand chance, but maybe we should consider that that possibility. So fascinating, you have, fascinating. You have a whip around amongst Amazon shareholders to kind of you know encourage him to stay home in some way. I don't, I'm not sure we give enough money to make it worthwhile. Maybe we could, I don't know, organise some sort of abduction. I don't. Money I, I, is no motivation at this point. That's the problem, right? How else do you encourage yeah. him to do it? He's, yeah, a, he's, he's divorced from his wife. He's probably like, you know what? Midlife crisis. I'm not getting a Porsche. I'm going to space, baby. <laughs> yeah, some guys buy a motorbike. Others <laughs> others go to space. So. <laughs> you buying a motorbike? No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I, 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 I'm, I'm grappling with my midlife crisis in a whole bunch of different other ways. So. <laughs> dear, oh dear. I'm looking for the long hair, the Porsche, the motorbike. It's... Uh, <laughs> We'll see how we go. I'm stuck with the motorbike. I'm not, I don't have the luxury of long hair, so I'll have to get the motorbike. Mate, we're, we're done. We've, we've finished. Okay. We went to Twitter a few times. And so if you want to follow Andrew on Twitter, go to Sage underscore Simeon. That's his handle. Or at Strawman Invest is the Strawman mm-hmm. company handle. If you're on Twitter or Insta, my and the Motley Fool handles are exactly the same on both those platforms, TMF Scott P or the Motley Fool AU. You can jump onto Facebook, Scott Phillips Money, or The Motley Fool Australia, uh, or you can send us an email, info at fool.com.au. As I've started saying too, we have a, well, it's not a brand new YouTube channel. It's been a much, a much um, uh, what's the right word? We haven't done a lot, we haven't, we haven't put a lot of time and care and effort into the YouTube channel up until now. We've always had it. It just hasn't been very well looked after, but we're starting to put some more content there. So uh, jump onto Google or YouTube and search The Motley Fool Australia YouTube. You'll find our channel. Make sure you do like and subscribe uh, so you get notified of the videos as they come up. We're trying to do one a week at least at the moment. Hopefully going to add some more. Maybe when I get back from holidays, we'll see how we go. All right, mate, that's it. If you do like the podcast, please do subscribe to Motley Fool Money. Use your favorite Android podcast app, Apple Podcasts. Uh, use Listener, the new Listener app from our good friends at Southern Cross Australia. We're part of the Listener family. So please have a 
think about doing that. And again, as we always say, please do tell your friends. It helps us get the word out about foolish investing, about straw man-ish investing or something, whatever we say that is. <laughs> anyway, you can uh, if you're enjoying it and you're getting some value from it, we hope other people will too. And that's the best way you can help us help them. In the meantime... We'll see you. Well, we'll see you on Sunday, Ram. We'll come back from our bag. What do you reckon? We will. Let's absolutely do it. Done. Let's do that. See you on Sunday. Fool on. See you then. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.